What does beautiful look like, Maddie? Mommy. How come? Because you're mommy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think mommy thinks that she's beautiful? Yeah. So I'm okay with my eye bags and I'm okay with my fat. And you're okay with being 45. Yes. You're hearing me interview my nine-year-old son, Maddox. He begrudgingly allowed me to talk to him and showed me how he is already conditioned to tie his self-worth to body image. Do you think it's okay for me to feel okay about having fat? Yeah. How come? Because it's only a little bit. What if there was more of it? Would you think I would? Yeah. How I? How come? Um, because I don't like big flabby butts. How come? Uh, they don't look very good. They don't look very good. So if I had a big old butt and we went out, would you be comfortable? No. How come? Because everyone be staring. Everyone would stare? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm skinny. You are skinny. Yes, you are. Wait till you turn my age. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel handsome? I don't know. You don't, huh? Mm-mm. Hmm. How come? Um, usually I don't really pay attention to myself. How do you feel as a person? I feel good. You feel pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. If you were fat, would you feel good? No. No. What if I couldn't fit through the door? What if you couldn't fit through the door? Would you still like yourself? Would you still like yourself? Yeah, you don't think so, huh? Okay. This is Gritty Girls a place where you can come to process the issues and topics your girlfriends, family, or coworkers may or may not be discussing. However, you're thinking about these issues, so let's dive into them together. Hi everyone, I'm Christina Lee. And I'm Leslie Campbell, and we are the Gritty Girls. Wow, that was honest. It wasn't was. it? Yeah, no filter. None at all. You know, it was one thing for him to say that about someone else, but then also to ask, well, what if you were fat? Yeah, right. Like, and how he, would you feel? And he wouldn't like himself. Right. So we've internalized all this. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess um, it goes to show that it's not just women. You no. know, it's all of us with our yeah. body images, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we're focusing on mom bod today, because yeah. I think women do... Um, have more of this tenuous relationship with our bodies, but increasingly men do as well. They do, although it seems like men can get away with a little bit of extra metal. Like, you know, one thing you see trending on social media is dad bod. Right. And people um, were sharing pictures of the actor Chris Pratt and talking about his sexy dad bod, right? Like it's cute. Like it's cute. You don't see no. pictures of mom bod yeah. being referred to as sexy and shared on social media and people, you no. know, commenting with heart emojis. No, people instead will pl- publicly flail yeah. uh, celebrities, for example, yes. who are, you know, caught like having cellulite mm-hmm. on the beach. Yeah. It's not fair. Right. I mean, I feel, I wish that it weren't like this because all of it stems from fears, right, about yeah. having a mom bod. So I'm afraid that it means I'm no longer valued. 
um, I think it makes me invisible. Mm. Um, that my best time is past me. That's it's a like in the sad re- thought. It is, but you know, I think a lot of my friends feel like that. Yeah. And there's this kind of ashamed tinge to it, you know? Not even tinge, like shame, like in neon letters. How about that? I know. Um, I'm afraid that I'm not sexy anymore, of course, if I'm not, you know, if I'm feeling ashamed. <laughs> if your best times are in the past, you're not going to feel as sexy. No. Think about how many women feel that way because of breast changes, right? Yeah. Women yeah. with very little breast or women who have saggy breast because mm-hmm. they've breastfed their children. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm in that club. <laughs> yeah, we both raised our hands. <laughs> so, you know, the bottom line is that it's a rare friend or family member who is completely happy with her body. Yeah, I, There are so few. It took me a long time to realize that. I used to assume that skinny people were happy people. And it was me too. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started having, I don't know, opening up about maybe some of my own feelings about my body when and they would talk about something about theirs that bothered them. And I remember just feeling like, what? But did you judge them? Did you say, oh please? Yes. I mean, did you I mean yes, you wanted to I downplay? It. I did. Yeah. I totally did. I'm very guilty of that. Like, yeah. what do you have to complain about? It's hard to respect don't that. Don't you think that's comparison? Of course it is. It's We're, wrong. Yeah. It yeah. is. So We're pitted against one another. You, I'm sorry. Right. No. <laughs> no, I not you. Not you. Per- I don't think I've done that to you. I don't think you have. I mean, I mean you as in yeah. any listener out there that has known me at some point in my life, if I have <laughs> done that to you, I would just like to formally apologize yeah. right now. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. we all have a right to how we feel about it. Yes. It's our own bodies and mm-hmm. we get to feel that way. But hopefully, though, through this episode, that we can help them to not judge themselves so harshly. Now, while I've accepted some aspects of my mom bod, and I've got one, (laughs) just look at our Instagram account. (laughs) Oh, today. Can we just take a moment? And, you know, they're going to hear this in May. Yeah. So hopefully you'll repost again. Yeah. I might use it as the episode image. You need to. Yeah. Yeah. It was really brave, Leslie. It felt really brave. I... I have never, you know, I I admit when I post a picture of myself, I always make sure it's in my best light, right? Yeah. This one, I didn't hold back and I didn't, didn't. suck in. <laughs> that was totally spontaneous. It we talk about being real and authentic. What's more real and authentic than showing what I've got and saying, "Hey, you know, like ladies, I'm with you." Right. Yeah. I'm not just I'm not a perfect skinny blonde sitting in a little podcast recording studio. As I sit here, I can feel the roll, the Dunlap that's (laughs) Dunlapped over my jeans. What bothers me the most about my body is the simple fact that right now I just don't feel comfortable in my clothes. You know, I I don't like feeling an inner tube around my middle when I sit down. I don't like feeling a jiggle when I walk. I hate tugging at my jeans when they're too tight. And you know what? I should be able to see my own vagina without having to lift said oh. inner tube. Okay. <laughs> I want to look down and see her for all her glory. You mean like nothing in the way? Nothing in the way. Right. I don't have to bend a little further to look at it. Right? Oh, man. I mean, I'm getting real here. <laughs> yes, you are. Get gritty. <laughs> I know some of some of our listeners are going to be laughing along. They're going to know what I'm talking about. They They know. know. They They know. know. They know what it's like to walk in your closet, right? Yeah. 
And you don't pick your clothing based on what you actually want to wear. You pick your clothing based on what fits, what will hide my fat, what won't make me look or feel like a busted can of biscuits, right? Busted can of biscuits. Yes. Nice. What a great visual. It is. I usually think of a sausage. <laughs> I think of stuffing Compressed myself in, yes, into like a sausage. A skin. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, I want you to tell me your thoughts about your own mom bod, which I think you look great, by the way. So, like, what's my sensitive area, right? Yeah. My thighs. Really? It is. Speaking of, that oh, is our guest. Saved by the bell. Saved Christina. by the bell. That's saved right. Saved by the bell. Oh, yeah. Hello. Okay, is it time? It is. <laughs> Hi, Jenny. Hey. We already have you. We're already recording because, you know, we're like, all right, let's go ahead and start the episode because, you know, we have this intro Hi. and uh, we wanted to kind of warm up before you called. So both Leslie and I are Hi. here. Hey. We invited someone uh, who's thought even more about, you know, mom bod than many of us, right? Because she's actually written a whole book about it. Jenny Wilkerson Baker co-wrote with her close friend, Sarah Blight, a book called The War on Normal, How to Find Contentment in Your Post-Baby Body, published in August 2017. Right, Jenny? Yes. Really? Gosh, I can't believe it was August. Yeah. yeah. Great to have you. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited. This is an amazing vision. You guys are doing a great job of pulling out topics that are really relevant to women and um, getting gritty with them. So congratulations to you guys on doing some hard work and making some great stuff. Thank you so much. And first of all, can I just say how much I love the photo on the cover of your book? It's so real. And for those of you who haven't seen Jenny's book, the cover features the midsection of a woman whose stomach is covered in stretch marks. And no matter how much extra love you have around your middle, if you've had kids, you can relate off that cover, from that cover off the bat, right? Yes. You know, we played around with these cute little foo-foo covers. And for me, um, and you, y'all will appreciate this, it just wasn't real enough. It wasn't gritty enough. And yeah. so I thought, no, yeah. the vision behind this book is really authenticity and a genuineness behind our struggles as um, a Western culture after having babies with our, our body image. And so we finally just said one day I was standing in the bathroom and um, for me, my stomach is kind of my, you know, we all have those areas of our bodies right. where we just, we have a love hate relationship with them. And so for me, my stomach is my love hate relationship. Uh-huh. And so my daughter came in and she squished my stomach with her hands. <laughs> and my first instinct was like to slap her hands away. I mean, and I stopped and I thought, no, no, like this is, I have a choice here to celebrate this right? and to communicate to her that this stomach is amazing or I have the chance to communicate shame and inadequacy. And so in that moment, I'm like, no, this is it. Like we, and so I just took a picture like right there on my phone, <laughs> just took a picture of my stomach and sent it to Sarah. And Sarah was like, oh no, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, oh Yeah. <laughs> We have to, like, yeah. because there shouldn't be no shame about having a book like this out in your house for people to see. Or one of my friends said, I don't know that I would read that on the beach where other people could see it. And I'm like, but that's what we're coming against is this 
feeling of shame and inadequacy that we have as women with these beautiful reminders on our bodies of how strong and capable we are. And we want to cover it up, right? Yeah. I know. It just, it goes really against... um, common sense really right even mm-hmm. right i mean yeah. the fact that like why would we want to hide that right i know, I yes. know. it's so and so it just tells you how we're all so focused you know on perfectionism on um you know on making things look a certain way i mean obviously it's yeah. a, it's so much about acceptance right you know it's so yeah. much about that and you know what i love also is your title because <laughs> oh yeah there's not yeah. <laughs> you you just go for the punch oh yeah we we're we're in an all out war Every day, it is this internal battle. You know, you get up, and the first thing you see in the mirror is, is it can either be your friend or your foe. And then right. you go out and you leave your house. And all of these images and stories and um, beliefs are being, like, thrown at you left and right. And it's just this constant mental and emotional war that we're in to uh, really process through what culture is telling us. Yeah, we, you have to hang on so hard, right, to your self-love mm. when you go out there because, unfortunately, we don't get to define what normal is. And the saddest mm-hmm. part about it, just as you wrote in your book, is that this body, you know, that we so appreciated, right, during pregnancy yeah. so yep. quickly becomes wrought with conflict mm-hmm. and becomes the focus of such awful negativity. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to live with, you know, some of these areas that we feel uncomfortable about, how about, you know, reshifting, like changing the lens on it? Yeah. It's so true though. Instead of just blindly walking down this road of what culture tells us is beautiful, Mm -hmm. is sexy, is strong, Mm -hmm. is feminine. We have got to, and it starts within ourselves. So we've got to start changing the narrative that we believe about ourselves and then start changing the narrative our kids believe. And then it's going to be this snowball effect of really changing our beliefs, not just our behaviors, but our beliefs. And that's why it's great, you know, when you had the chapter, when with a chapter on fear, um, that Mm. one of the main um, tools that we have, I think that kind of um, forms a foundation of this is seeing the truth. Yeah. Because we can't really yes. change that narrative if we if we don't see what the truth is. The truth that, you know, we are desirable. The truth that yeah. um, the pictures that we see out there, uh, many are made by men, I have to tell you, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're made by male executives. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're all, uh, you know, the amount of makeup and airbrushing. It's not, it's not true. I mean, these are unattainable. They're not even ideal. No. They're just unattainable. And we're so conditioned to see what beauty is. And so, you know, I think establishing for ourselves what the truth really is. So what is the truth for most of us? I spoke to a couple of girlfriends over brunch about the beliefs we hold that profoundly shape our relationship with our post-baby bodies. I don't know. I mean, in one sense, you know, you think it's hard on your body, but this is what happens. This is natural and normal. And how much do you want to fight that? Do you want to be that person that, you know, is desperately clinging to looking 20 still? It's just never going to happen as you, you know, get into your 40s. Things start to change and 
I don't know, you know, I try to appreciate my body for what it is now because I know it's never going to look this good probably again, but on the other hand, you know, of course there are things you want to change. Well, I think society does that, you know, we, 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 we put the, on a pedestal youth and thinness. Yeah. Um, um, Perkiness. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then see, I'm also a mother of a daughter who, you know, who has, you know, I mean, she puts on the bikini and you go, yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> so it's, it's real hard and it's real hard to, uh, and I think it's easier for me because I'm a little older, but if I were 30 and had, or, or even my early forties and see, you know, you know, the young teenage girls, you, uh, you want to compare yourself, you know, do, I don't look like that anymore. You know, there's a lot more comparison. I think as you get even older than your forties, the comparison, you still see it and you still compare some, but it, you do give your, you do give yourself a little break after a while. It's like, you know what? I'm doing okay. I'm still kicking. Yeah. So. You're further past it. You right? do, but, but it's not all, it doesn't all the way go away. We, I remember you still want to look good and you still see, you know, you still see, you see a cute top at the store and you, and you put it on and go, oh, it does not look like it did on the <laughs> So true. And, and, you know, and you're, no, I mean, it just, <laughs> I remember years ago we had a Jimboree teacher and she said, no matter what you think about your body, you think I'm too fat or my hair doesn't mm-hmm. look cute or whatever. Mm-hmm. Go and get the pictures made with your kids. Mm-hmm. Capture those memories now because, you know, that's what your kids want to see. They want mm-hmm. those memories. And they don't care if you have a few extra pounds. And they don't care if you don't look perfect like a model. They're going to want those memories of the you that they remember. And I try to keep that in my head, you know. Mm-hmm. Be happy with what I have now because mm-hmm. and this is who I am, right? What's the quick, though, default, like in your mind that you catch yourself saying to yourself? Fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fat, I think, is it. Yeah. Well, no. Some of it's the wrinkles and the gravity. A little, yeah. Yeah, the sagging, right? But the sagging, you know. Not as, you know, I grew up super thin, and it was always easy to maintain. It's not so easy to maintain when you start yeah. getting up there. But, yeah. <laughs> but you laugh but you're about hard it a little more now. Yeah, We're hard on ourselves. We are hard on ourselves. But yeah. I think even young girls now are hard on themselves. Mm. I don't think it's, I think it has trickled down to even a preteen. Christina, I bet, I bet you dealt with that. Weren't you in, in TV in, um, yes, yeah, TV in, in, uh, in TV journalism. Yes, yeah. and it's a very mm-hmm. visual medium. It is, and you know, if you, you people are critical of the journalists on TV. Yes, absolutely. You know, in uh, yeah. you know your clothes. It, oh the, yeah. You know how your hair looks that day, and you know I, I think that reporters can get away with it more. But if you're an anchor, it's it's pretty relentless, <laughs> and so it's hard to fight back. I think against. Um, not even I think. I mean, it's hard to fight back against mm-hmm. all of these messages about what beauty is. And so how do we establish that truth? Like, how do we day to day, you know, how do you do it, Leslie? And how do you do it, Jenny? You know, when you wake up and you feel, ugh, right, about your body, how do you say this is not the truth? I think that's where age has helped me. Yeah, (laughs) I'll agree with that. Yeah. Because I'm now able to look 
to my past. And I would encourage any mom, any woman, even any young girl to do this. And we have kind of this in our book, but just to sit down and create a body history of all of the amazing things that your body has let you do. That's and so one. especially mm-hmm. as a mom for me, like my centering point, whenever I'm starting to feel, you know, um, disgusted, I think disgusted is a feeling that women can yes. feel yeah. often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I see something in my initial response is disgust, I can quickly now go back to uh, kind of the timeline of no, uh, that stomach doesn't disgust me. Actually, that stomach grew these amazing kids. It, it housed them and fed them and kept them safe. And then when it was time, it brought them into this world. This stomach is um, freaking amazing. Yeah. And it shifts just in that moment, just that perspective shift of pulling from my past and remembering the things I'm grateful for. Gratitude, I think, is such a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, it grounds me. And so when I start to go off the kind of deep end, I will circle the shit back around to yeah. remembering and being grateful for. That's I've done that one. too. Like I'll remember, you know what? This body helped me hike up a mountain. This body helped yes. me kayak on an ocean. This body helped yeah. me, like you said, carry my children. I remember one time leaving the grocery store and, and it started pouring rain. So what I scooped up both kids and the that's shopping right. and ran across the parking lot. I mean, if I don't, yeah. if that's not badass, then I don't know what is, right? <laughs> yes. You know, one way that um, I do it, you know, I remind myself um, to see myself the way that my sister sees me, for example, uh, or yeah. my husband sees me. Like, yeah. you know, my sister was here visiting over Christmas, and um, she thinks I'm beautiful, and she'll tell me all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And do you know, while she was here, I barely wore makeup, and I increasingly mm. felt more beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I really did just by yeah. being around her. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I examined it, I felt, gosh, this is remarkable. I don't know. I was really touched by it. Well, talk about that because, I mean, that's a, a huge learning, I think, especially in in our culture with technology. And I mean, I work from home, so I'm a freelance writer. I work from home. And there are days where a majority of my day is spent having conversations with children and a piece of paper or a computer tablet <laughs> rather than <laughs> interaction with an actual human being. And so what happens is because, I mean, and even with like garages, you know, in subdivisions, you pull into a subdivision and you drive home, you drive into your garage, you shut your garage door and you walk into your house. And so we've created these fortresses um, around us where we are isolated from healthy, positive community like that. And so, Christina, what your sister did for you was she spoke truth to you. Mm-hmm. And when we're exposed to truth tellers over time, we will believe them. I know. And so we've got to seek out truth tellers and positive community and then believe them. Luckily for me, I found a couple more truth tellers. Listening to girlfriends at a party helped move me another step closer to self-acceptance. Now, almost 20 years into this mom game after four kids, I'm very aware that my body does not and will never look like it did when I was 20 again. And I really stopped caring. So you feel liberated? Or yes. Do you feel different? No, I feel liberated. I feel totally liberated. I can squish and play with my belly and, you know, when I'm bored and it's good. You know, I don't really, you know, I have whatever. I mean, it's, 
I have a big old butt and it's nice padding on my hard seat. I really don't, I don't even know what to say about that. But no, I don't feel defeated. I think I did feel defeated at some point when I was younger, but uh, I really love being in my late 30s and I, I love where I am in my life. I feel super self-confident now more than I ever have ever in my life. So I had a perfect body when I was 21 in the Navy and running every day, but it was never perfect enough. I had that body that, and, it, and it's ironic when you think about, I remember taking off my clothes in front of a man when I was 20 years old and we were both in the Navy and he, he said, wow. And I remember him saying, you have perfect breasts. And I said, thanks. And he's like, no, they're, they're so perfect. They're like the most perfect breasts I've ever seen. And that's very funny because I had a mammogram today and I was <laughs> remarking to the mammogram technician about how it was great that my boobs were so saggy now that she could just manipulate them into the, the squashy machine so easily. So, you know, it's they're far, far, far from perfect. And I'm really okay with that. It's It took a long time to get there, but I think it feels really, really good to be at this place now where you know it's my body it's what i've got it's alive it's healthy give me four healthy kids and it gets me where i need to go still i hope it lasts for a long time i had no idea back when i could wear a size six or even a four when i starved myself for my wedding i didn't realize what the body was to me it was just it needed to be a certain size and after having birthed and nursed uh, three children, you know, for like 10 years, I, th- I was either pregnant or nursing. I, I just found that my body became, well, it didn't become my own for a long time. It was, it belonged to other children. And it just amazed me that it became such, just such a miracle. I feel a little selfish about my body, a little bit like defensively proud of it because it, it wasn't mine for like 15 years and now it's mine and I kind of like it. And I, I just, you know, I look at it in the mirror when I'm getting the shower. I'm like, I kind of like this body, maybe because it's mine again. Yeah, I, I like having my like own that. body to I myself like again. I wish I could get back to that or ever get to that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my new it. goal. Yeah. Maybe you, you can. It. Think about that. Think about the people who beautiful when we start redefining beautiful though. Like yeah. you know, when when you think about the most beautiful people, very seldom do you think of just an image you've seen. Like yeah. you can see an advertisement uh, and go, oh, they're attractive, but those that beauty does not stick with you. Mm-mm. Beauty that sticks with you are people who are inspiring, people yeah. who are captivating in their character and in their personality. Those those people are beautiful. And you know, when it comes to our children, I realized that with my daughter. I think it was her fourth birthday. Uh, I think I tell this story in the book. And she, I was, she wanted her hair curled, <laughs> and I am not a girly curl your hair kind of person. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this for her. She wants her hair curled. So I got the curlers out, curled her hair, put some lip gloss on her, and I said, Aww. I found myself saying to her, I said, Oh, honey, you're so beautiful. And in that moment, what I realized was I just defined for my daughter beautiful in, in a very narrow way Yeah, that beautiful is how she looks. And we always say, you know, beauty is, uh, you're beautiful on the inside, like you're on the outside, but yet we grow up really knowing what is celebrated the most. Yeah. So what if we created households 
where character was celebrated as beautiful. Uh, so we started shifting and saying to Lucy, just last night, she had um, this drink, this special drink that my husband makes and not an alcoholic beverage, actually. <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> I was going to ask. A drink. Drink. <laughs> yeah, no, It's called golden milk. Look it up. It's really great. So we um, shared, she, we made her some golden milk and her little brother didn't get any because he it was a consequence of some of his poor choices. Mm-hmm. And so she snuck around the the bar and I watched her and she gave him a sip. Aww. And in that moment, Aww. like I just walked over to her and I gave her a hug and said, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> and I just said to her, I said, your kindness makes you so beautiful. Aww. And so I want her to, to, feel beautiful when she's kind, when she's loving, when she's joyful, when she's patient and gentle, and when she exhibits self-control in terrible moments, you know, (laughs) like I I want her to, to believe that that truly is celebrated beauty. Oh, I love that. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, I think you address it really well in your book. You know, you're, you talk in the book about, um, you spent quite a bit of time, you know, helping people understand when kids start to go down the path of um, valuing or devaluing a woman's body Mm -hmm. and healthy or unhealthy perceptions. And you do say that, you know, ages two to seven creates the folders, right, that we use to to kind of separate uh, people into these different categories. And there was one really great example that you had, um, and it's with your daughter. Um, you were passing out cookies, right, at the Christmas performance. <laughs> and and she says, so I'm going to go ahead and, yeah, kind of quote ahead, yeah. Yeah, from the book. So she was three at the time, and Lucy, right? Yep. She says, um, Mommy, why is her booty so big? <laughs> you know, about this woman, apparently, who had a big butt. And you said, I love that you said this. Because God made her perfectly that way. Isn't she beautiful? Now, this is significant because, you know, that perspective, right, is so revealing because you could have said what I would have said and what I believe a lot of moms would have said. Don't say things like that. That's not kind. And then she would say, well, why isn't it kind? And then you or a mom would say, because it makes her feel bad. Well, why? Because she has a big booty and probably feels bad about it. So I would have said that. And what that tells her is that you should feel bad if you have a big butt. That big butts are unattractive and that you should feel ashamed if well, you have a big butt. And you're assuming that the woman feels, feels bad, bad about it. She might yeah. be totally fine with her booty. That's right. <laughs> yeah. She may be like, that's right. Mm-hmm. You yeah, want this she's booty. like, you like this junk in the trunk. Uh-huh, that's right. right. That's right, buddy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and so um, that is really enlightening for us who are um, – you know, especially as moms who want to give a different message to our kids. But the question I have for you is, you know, when you talk with Lucy, is there, though, some point where you say, you know, that you're trying to teach her what's healthy, though? Because I feel like I I do have to teach my kids, right. hey, you know, you need yep. to choose these foods in order to have a healthy body. So I feel like that's it's the part that's a, a little tenuous, line. right? I, I have a hard time with that. It's funny because the conversation typically comes to this, like a lot, and, and I've, it's fascinating that we we seem to associate uh, contentment with our bodies mm-hmm. with healthy eating. Yeah. Um, 
I think that they're, they're two very separate things. So for me, um, what I am teaching my kids about other people is that everybody is worthy of value Yes. and, and love. So regardless, differences are not bad. Differences are, are beautiful. And so yeah. we, we use that language in our home. We say, I mean, very specifically, I will say, is different bad? No. Mm. Different, different is beautiful yeah. um, and are valuable. Different is valuable. And so I always want to make sure that those conversations with the kids are ascribing worth to other people. Now, when it comes to eating healthy, um, there's a way to talk factually without assigning value and judgment. Mm -hmm. So when we judge, we're ascribing value and worth to something. We're either ascribing a good value and worth or a bad value and worth. So uh, a judgment, uh, you know, for example, would be um, eating candy is bad. Mm, okay. Uh, maybe instead it's, are there better choices to, to what we could fuel our body with? Yeah. So using the word choices and different rather than good and bad, those are value, value assessments rather than uh, choice and fact. You know, I think that you really hit on something so important. Whether you lose weight or not, no matter what your body looks like, it has no impact on the value on, on you as a person. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you want to make healthy food choices is just a fact. It almost goes all you have to follow it all the way to the end. If yes. someone makes food choices that ultimately kill them, it doesn't mean that they were worth any less as a person. Right. Right. It just right. is a different choice. So thank you for pointing that out. I mean, you know, that gets so lost in me because that's how deep I'm connected to looking perfect. Where do you think that that came from? Like, have you explored that at all to kind of tease out? Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, my need for perfectionism goes, um, it covers other areas as well. Yeah. So certain ones are more triggering than others. Um, my body is definitely more of a trigger. Um, I think because um, society and our culture really, um, I I love what you say in the book that ads, their purpose Mm -hmm. is to stir you up. Yeah. Because, you know, I used to think, oh, well, ads are trying to, yes, they're manipulating you to buy the product. But I like the way you put it. I like that you're saying, no, they're trying to stir you up. Mm -hmm. They want you to feel all conflicted inside. They want you to start feeling bad because now you're going to go buy their product (laughs) to solve it, to fix it. And so, yeah, I think for me... My body image is, you know, um, is a trigger because everything else is helping to prop up that, um, you know, that identification. Yeah. One of the things I have learned and I hope to teach my kids is that we never know the context for another person's life. Yeah. And the best thing that we can do is operate with assigning extreme value to everyone regardless of our interaction with them. And, and as moms, I mean, I think that's, and, and we have a chapter about this, this idea of, you know, are we teammates or are we competitors? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I have found tremendous freedom for me emotionally, in, which it, it equals joy. Like I have found way more joy and happiness when I can look at another mom and see different and 
and like celebrate it and like rock on. You are different than me. I would love to get to know you and, and maybe know why you are different rather than using that as a comparison tool to either prop myself up or knock myself down. I love what you said um, about the subject of jealousy. Um, and you said, I'll just quote from the book. You said, our feelings of jealousy against one another come from a poverty mentality that says, I don't have, I'll never have, everyone else has, and I should be pitied because I don't stand a chance. And a poverty mentality ends in apathy and a stalled life. And I think that we don't realize how much we're in a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind of uh, perspective, you know, we're we're standing from the the victim's vantage point, and that's how we are positioning yeah. uh, these situations. Um, it's it's coming at me. It's being done to me. Um, and you know, when 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 that happens, you can't possibly have any kind of expansion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's no gratitude or appreciation in yeah. there. So there's there's only contraction. Well, we couldn't end our talk with Jenny without asking her what many of us have trouble navigating, especially as moms, sex with our partners. So there is a quote by Sarah, and it's it definitely showcases many women's unease and discomfort and self-judgment. She said, Then there was the unease I felt about my body, the flop, the squish, the disconcerting feeling that we were about to get surprised at any moment by something we weren't expecting. I was terrified and so tense, and I think Steve was oblivious to it all. And was just super <laughs> yeah. thankful that I had surrendered him, surrendered myself to him. Well, my body, my mind was not at all in the moment. <laughs> oh my gosh, when she used those words, you know, if if that's what we're focused on, there's mm. no way we can be present nope. for the sex. Yeah, you've got to process through. Like, okay, stuff's about to get real here. <laughs> like, how am I gonna feel about this? Yeah, and um. I mean, we all, I mean, I remember like I had a panic attack the first time I had sex with Franklin after having Lucy, like I li- literally in the middle of having sex, I like have a panic attack, like gotta stop. Sorry, dude. Oh, like, no. I, gotta go to the bathroom. I think I'm going to puke because I'm having this panic attack because nobody is fr- talking about this. And so, so before we jump back into the sack, like it's important to not just give our bodies space to heal, but to give our hearts space to feel, Yeah. to think through, okay. Things are, things, things might be different. Um, there, Sarah has a great story about sounds that come out of your vagina after you have babies. <laughs> that yes. was another LOL oh. moment. Like yoga? <laughs> like yes. yoga's gone. I, Bye-bye. Yeah, the word I, queef was in the book, and oh. that just was hilarious. <laughs> well, you do. And so and a queef is not just happens in yoga. Queefs happen in sex. Yes, okay? they do. They do. And, and <laughs> that might not have been part of – sex for you before you had a baby, but just processing, okay, it's going to be new and fun and getting into the relaxed mindset of <laughs> this is going to be funny it, and just embrace it yes. like, and, and talk to your partner about it. Like, okay, not sure what's going to happen here, but let's try it. And if it means like having the lights off for a while, one of my awesome friends, Jen, she, we quote her in the book. She's a mom of six. 
And she and her husband are amazing. But Jen will tell you, she's like, yeah, after the sixth kid, I'm not sure that Josh really knows where to grab anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I I want you to talk about, this was one that stuck with me too, turning on the crotch pot. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Sarah Sarah should trademark that. (laughs) She should. Uh, You know, Instant Pots are really popular right now. I mean. I'm I'm still on the crock pot and now there's crotch (laughs) pot. Yes. Yeah. I don't think I can keep up with (laughs) all the pots. I think just for women in general, I hate to make generalizations, but I have found this to be more true than not true with women. It is super important for us emotionally to prepare to have sex more than it is for dudes. There is um, something about getting our emotions in the right place um, that allows us to physically have that connection with our our partners. Um, And especially after having a baby, because it is such a vulnerable, I mean, this things are different Mm -hmm. and you have just, I mean, I remember having to put the monitor down while I was having sex with Franklin because it was wigging me out, seeing my kids sleeping in the crib and then trying to, you know, get into it with Franklin. I'm like, this is my mind. Just can't do this. I just, yeah. let's just close it. Like, and yeah. yes. And then, you know, when your kids like start squirming and you're like, your boobs start tingling while yes. you're having sex, you're like, Oh, oh please Lord, don't let these just squirt in his face. <laughs> I've had that happen. Like, we laugh so hard. I mean, the, the whole, yeah. like, I'm a mommy now. No, I'm a, yeah. I'm a wife now. I'm a mommy now. I'm a wife now. It's like, I yeah. can't do both. If we truly want to connect to our partners physically, We have to take ownership and responsibility for doing the emotional and mental work that it's going to take to Mm. allow that physical connection to happen Yeah, and, and being intentional about processing throughout the day. And I used to, I remember when I first got married thinking like, you know, scheduling sex was so lame. Oh my gosh, (laughs) who would do that? And now Franklin and I are literally like, Hey, I think on Tuesday night we could get the kids in bed early. Like, all right, Tuesday night, we get Tuesday night. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, realizing. And so on Tuesday, I guess it's tomorrow. So for me tomorrow, you know, it's going to start with when he leaves for work. Yeah. It's going to start with uh, emotionally connecting to him then. And then throughout the day, sending each other playful texts or, you know, alluding to it when he gets home and, and really building that connection up emotionally so that whenever we physically connect, right. um, I don't feel up in my head. Right. And by the time he gets home, you're ready. You're, oh, Your crotch yeah. pot yeah. has yeah. been preheating yes. all day all long. Right. That's right. right. That's right. You are well done. You're, well, you're ready to right. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. Yes, thank uh, you so much. Thanks, with us today with is Jenny Wilkerson Baker, who wrote a book along with her friend, Sarah Blight, called The War on Normal, How to Find Contentment in Your Post-Baby Body. So go get a copy and, you know, think about it being Grab a couple co- time. copies and yeah, get a girlfriend to go through it with you. That's right. Exactly. And it's like reading. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you read it, it is like talking with a girlfriend. All right. So let's go out and slay it. Yeah. All right, girls. (laughs) If you enjoyed the Gritty Girls podcast, please help us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes and Stitcher. By doing so, you'll be entered to win a Gritty Girls t-shirt during the first two months of our launch. Just grab your iDevice and inside the podcast app, search for Gritty Girls podcast. Click on our logo and once there, scroll down to rate and review the show. Finally, hit subscribe. If you don't have an iTunes account, it'll ask you to create one. 
And for Android listeners, download the free Stitcher radio app and search Gritty Girls Podcast. You do need to listen to an entire show before you'll be allowed to leave a review. For all others, you can find us on our website at grittygirlspodcast.com. And please join our gritty conversations by heading to our website where our next show topics are listed. Pick one that resonates with you. Call our chat line and record your thoughts. Quick one or two lines will do, and then you'll have a good chance of being on our show's WDYT segment for What Do You Think? We only have one rule. Enter the conversation with an open mind. Among today's music from the Free Music Archive are Jesse Spilling's G1 and Cardboard Engineering, as well as Kevin Mechliot's Acid Jazz. Thank you for listening. Until next time, listen to understand, seek out growth, and keep the heart and mind open. 